Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. You know, each, each of us is, is very, very unique, and each one of us has our own history. And in that thick mixture of that, of course, we interrelate with each other, and, and the histories kind of uh, flow together. But the bottom line is we, we reach, each of us has a task that God has given to us in this world. And um, these stories about us are part of the mystery of God and his relationship and our relationship with God. They're part of the mystery of God and our relationship with God. But I think the first thing we have to know is what does it mean for it to be a mystery? You know, at Mass, right after the consecration, we say the mystery of faith. We talk about the Paschal mystery. Well, what's the mystery? Uh, it's, a, it's kind of, it's a technical term. It's a biblical term. It's a theological term. It's not something to be solved. It means something that beforehand was unapproachable, we are now invited into. Uh, something that we never knew before is now revealed to us. So to talk about, uh, at, after the consecration, the mystery of faith, and, and then we say we proclaim, what? The death and resurrection of Jesus. Well, you would, you would never know that if it had not been revealed to us. It's, it's a mystery of faith. We've been invited into this mystery of faith, into the dying and rising of Christ. And so the, the mystery of our relationship with God and the mystery of God are part of this invitation to come into what before was unapproachable. I mean, we, we would never know uh, Jesus as Savior if God did not reveal it to us. So... The, the Paschal mystery, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, if you didn't know about it, I mean, so this guy died some years ago. He was nailed to the cross. What difference does it make? But it, it's a Paschal mystery. That movement of Jesus from, from his coming into the world, going through his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension to the Father is part of this revelation to us, unapproachable to us before into which we are now invited. And so part of what we're, we're doing, we want to do, especially when we're talking about prayer, is um, this unfolding and ever-evolving part of our spiritual life. Uh, we, we're, we're constantly um, being brought deeper and deeper into the mystery of God. I mentioned this morning... Uh, that we're going to talk today about prayer. Um, prob probably the absolute best prayer I ever say with, with the most conviction is, Lord, I'm almost out of gas. Get me to a gas station. <laughs> it is the most sincere prayer I ever say. It really, truly is. Now, there, there's, there is a, a story about a person who was driving around a parking lot trying to find a, a parking space. And they said, oh, God, if you show me a parking space, I promise I'm going to go to church every day today, every day this week. And with that, this car right in front pulls out, 
And the person says, never mind, God, I found one myself. (laughs) St. Teresa of Lisieux said, for me, prayer is the surge of the heart. It's a simple look toward heaven. It's a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. St. John Damascene said, prayer is the lifting of one's mind and heart to God. When we decide that we're going to pray, we are already at prayer. Uh, It isn't really our decision to go to prayer. It's the prompting of God's grace inviting us to pray. So it's, it's God's movement into us first, and then our response to that call to God is prayer. And, and prayer is, to me, it's this, this kind of this uh, conduit that I can go through to come to, to the God who is unapproachable. Uh, we come, that's why Christ is the mediator between God and us. Uh, he's, the, the, he's got our human conditions, something that we have contact with, but he's also divine, and so it becomes the conduit between the two of them. There, there's a lot that's been written on prayer, um, a lot to say about prayer, but ultimately the goal is to pray. That's what we want to do. And I, and I think it's really wonderful, as, as Catholics, the, the rich traditions of prayer that we have. Uh, some of them come from, from different saints. There's an Ignatius spirituality, a Dominican spirituality. But just over the centuries, people who have prayed pass on to the next generation about prayer and to the next generation. But the, I think we have to start, first of all, with what I was trying to say before we did Vespers, is liturgical prayer and uh, the prayer of, of the liturgy and of Eucharist and of the hours is very, very central uh, to, to our life of prayer. Uh, we know that Jesus has already won the victory for us, but this, this, we're, so we're living in the end time. It's, it's done. Jesus won the victory. But we realize that it's not already. It's not, we, we, we haven't been completely engulfed in the mystery of God's love. But Eucharist is a very, 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 very significant part. At Eucharist, we take what God has given to us, wheat and grapes, transformed by human work into bread and wine, offered back to God as a symbol of who we are, and then given back to us as Jesus. I mean, that that is a beautiful part of prayer. I mean, if you're talking about getting into contact with God, God gives us wheat and grapes, transformed by us to bread and wine, offered back to God, and then given back to us. That, that beautiful prayer during the preparation of the gifts. Now, so often you're singing at that time, but it is a beautiful prayer. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread and wine we offer you work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life and our spiritual drink. So we we end up joining with Christ's self-offering back to the Father. So that powerful dynamic of, of this gift and the reception of the gift 
and the return of us back to the Father in a gift. It, it's not always easy to stay attentive at prayer. It really, it's very, very, it's very difficult. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's so many times, like, especially if I'm having a big ceremony and that, and, and I'm wondering where my miter is and is the guy going to bring me what I need you know, when I need it and all that stuff. I can get very, very distracted uh, during prayer. It's, I have to really, really concentrate to make, it, to make it work. And I think one of my pet peeves is to look out and, and seeing people who are not making any effort whatsoever to enter into this mystery. Uh, I, I understand some people can't sing. You know, I always tell the confirmants, if you can't sing, just move your lips. When I'm saying, I can't tell if you're really singing or not, at least move your lips, you know. But it, it's really sad sometimes to look out and seeing, you know, it's the creed or, the, you know, something like that, that people don't do it. They just, they just absolutely stand there with no emotion on their face. And, well, I, I can understand why you're not getting anything out of it. If you're, if you're not engaging yourself uh, in there. Um, so the Eucharist is not just something we do. It's th- something that we are. We're a Eucharistic people, receiving this gift from God, transforming it by our hands, giving it back to God, and God giving it back to us. I, th- I think that's why the Second Vatican Council said, this is the summit and the source of Christian life. It's a summit, and sorry, it's that toward which everything comes and from which everything goes. So there has to be an additional prayer life. This is the summit toward which everything comes and then from which everything goes. So at Eucharist, we have a real presence of Jesus. A real presence of Jesus. Um, He's present in the Vatican Council, enumerated this, that he's present in the priest. This is my body, this is my blood. Uh, so that's, that's Jesus speaking, not me. Present in the, the word that is proclaimed. We believe in the real presence of Christ in the scriptures. The real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. We believe in a real presence, that is Jesus. And then the real presence of Christ in the community. When two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. Um, but private prayer is very important, getting us to that point and flowing back from that point. Good, good Eucharistic prayer is always addressed to God the Father. Now, you'll find sometimes at Mass it's addressed to Christ, but very, very, very seldom. And if it is, that's not a good liturgical prayer. At Eucharist, it's always addressed to God the Father through Christ, because that's the only channel we have to the Father. The Father's totally other than we are. Uh, We are creatures, but in Christ. So it's always through Christ, and it's in the Holy Spirit. Anytime we pray at Eucharist. Let's make a jump now to um, our own personal private prayer. Just think of all of the, the, the ways that we have to pray. Um, we have devotional prayers, like the, like the rosary. 
uh, whether it's set up alone or with others, it's a devotional prayer. There's spontaneous prayer. I mean, I, I've, I've driven along and all of a sudden looking up and seeing these trees with all the snow and it's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And it's glittering in the sunlight. Uh, and it, 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 it brings forth a prayer, but that is absolutely beautiful, God, what you have done. Because that's usually not when I say when he snows on me. I have other things that I say to him then. Uh, <laughs> there are formal prayers. Some people say the memorari. Or, or to make a morning offering every day. There's contemplative prayer. There's centering prayer. There, there's the Jesus prayer. There's meditative prayer. There's intercessory prayer. And, and even our, our prayer to the saints. You know, m- many of our Protestant brothers and sisters say, well, why would you pray to the saints when you could just pray right, you know, to, to, to Jesus or, or to God through Jesus? Well, we're part of the communion of saints. You know, we're all in this together. And so for us to pray to the saints is not to bypass Jesus. They are, they are in Christ just as much as we are in Christ. And the saints offer us these wonderful um, examples and inspiration uh, and, and protection I don't have any. I don't have any problems with us praying to the saints. You know, it could be very similar, I suppose. And it's like saying, you know, well, you go ask your father; he'll give it to you. <laughs> you know, how often have we done that? You know, you know, they say that Mary will get you in the back door if you pray to her to heaven. And I kind of believe that. Uh, so, praying for the dead, you know, because we're we're all in this together. You can pray for the dead. And I truly believe our prayers for them assist them. And I believe that the saints in heaven, their, their intercession before us assists us. When I, when I was appointed a, a bishop in, in 2001, my brother said to my siblings, well, now we know mother's in heaven. She pushed that one through. <laughs> St. Francis de Sales, he lived in 1567 to 1622, He wrote the introduction to a devout life. And I want to uh, read two paragraphs of what he wrote in, in that particular work. I say that devotion must be practiced in different ways by the nobleman and by the working man, by the servant and by the prince and by the widow and by the unmarried girl and by the married woman. The practice of devotion must be adapted to the strength, to the occupation, and to the duties of each one in particular. So this is not one size fits all. Tell, tell, tell me, please, my, thea, my, my philothea, whether it's proper for a bishop to want to lead a solitary life like a Carthusian monk, or for married people to be more concerned uh, be more concerned than a, ca- a Capuchin about increasing their income, or for a working man to spend his whole day in church like a religious, or on the other hand, for a religious to be constantly exposed like a bishop to all the events and circumstances that bear on the needs to his neighbor. So, especially when we get to devotional prayer, um, you know, whether you're going to say the rosary or you're going to do this or do how, however you're going to pray, 
Uh, it has to be adapted. You can't, you, you, some of you have other responsibilities and you cannot be in church all day long. Uh, some of you can afford to spend some more time in quiet contemplative prayer. And our own personalities kind of dictate what kind of prayers we're comfortable with. There certainly are many, many, many people who find great comfort in saying the rosary. And then there are other people who think that this is just repetitive and boring. And that's okay. Neither one of those is, is right. It have to adapt. We're, we're lucky that we have all these different ways to pray. Uh, and you have to adapt it to, to who you are, what your lifestyle is, what you're comfortable with. Some people can sit very quietly in the presence of God. Just be sit there and be quiet. Other people... That just would drive them crazy. I got to get up. I got to move around. I got to do something. I can't just be sitting here like this. Um, some some people uh, like intercessory prayer, even with a group of people. That's or a prayer of praise. You know, we just spend time and we just praise God and thank God for all that God has done for us. And even even the circumstances of our life um, change what kind of prayer we're going to use. So you would think when you're sick and if you're in the hospital, this would be wonderful time to pray. It's the most, it's the worst. I mean, it's just, there's all these people walking around, you don't feel good and they're sticking needles in you. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to a real time of good prayer. Now, for some people, it might. Um, some days uh, we're dry, just I, nothing. There's just nothing, nothing there. Um, that's that's when you can go to a a, a f- more formal prayer. Uh, if if you really were you know uh, stressed out, well, to say the memorare, you know, you, you can't think of what else you're going to say to God. Well, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known for anyone who fled to your protection or was left unaided. You know that that prayer then it's not just a rote thing that you're saying, but it's the basis of being able to, to offer some prayer. Um, when I taught at the, the seminary, at the minor seminary, on the faculty, and when we did spiritual direction, I always thought part of my job was to help these young men experience many, many different forms of prayer. And, I, and that's what I would hope I'm saying to you tonight, too. You know, that just because you always do this particular prayer, that, that's fine. That's wonderful. But maybe some explore some other forms of prayer that you might be able to use at some other times when this isn't working like it should. Or maybe some other forms of prayer might raise your, your mind and your heart to God uh, more quickly and more easily. Uh, so some will appear to more at one time and some at another time. Um, there are difficulties in prayer. Um, what, what, what are some of the difficulties that you have in prayer? I don't have to do all the talking here. <laughs> what are some of the difficulties you have in prayer? Distractions. Absolutely. Yes. Staying focused. Time, trying to find time 
to pray. Um, I, th- that whole idea of difficulties in prayer, uh, I, I, can, I, I can, I hate to admit this publicly, but I can be saying my office, the prayers that we're, we use tonight, I, I can start the beginning of it, I can get to the end and don't know how I ever got to the end. I mean it, I really can't. I don't, know, I don't know how I can do it. I can say all of the prayers, but never, never realize it. I, I, do, I really do believe this, though. I do believe the will, the desire to be at prayer. So when I sit down, I always say, oh, God, I'm going to concentrate. I really want to pray today. I want to, I'm going to listen to the Psalms. I'm going to see what they say. And three lines into the first Psalm, I'm gone. Uh, you know, but I haven't, I haven't changed my act of the will. I've willed to be at prayer. And so I really believe I'm still at prayer. And then when I realize, oh, what's going on here? You shake my head. Uh, then, then I have to make another act of the will or not. At that point, if I, if I decide, oh, well, I'll get back to that later and I go off on what I was thinking about, fine, I'm no longer at prayer. But if I say, okay, let's try this again, not going back to the beginning or I'll never get out of here, before I left off, we'll continue on. I, I, do, I do believe that it's that prayer. So I, I, wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be overly concerned about distractions. And sometimes that means you need to take that distraction and make it the prayer. I mean, maybe God is putting that into you at that time because that's what he wants you to, to concentrate on and to raise up to him. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more later on, I think, about uh, how we might m- begin to minimize some of the, the distractions. Um, what, what I want to do at this point is um, I, I want to talk about Lexio Divina, divine reading. It, it, it's, a, it's a practice of prayer but what I like about what I like to do with this, though, is the fact that it contains so many of the other elements that we can use in prayer in, in other areas as well. It doesn't have to be when we're doing lexio as such, but we can get a lot out of it from other other ways too. It, it it's the Latin is lexio divina, so you know the 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 reader has the lectionary and the lectern, and the lector, and this is the lexio, it's the Latin word for readings. It's where the readings take place, it's the book of readings, it's the person who does the readings. And so this is called divine reading, divine reading, lexio divina. Um, As a prayer, it goes back centuries. It's still very, very much part of, of a monastery. Monks are supposed to do lexio every day. Uh, it's seeing a revival among the rest of us more recently. And it brings us into contact with the inspired word of God. If we really believe that the Bible is God's word given to us, revealed to us by human form, then we, we come into contact with the words with a small w leading us to the word with a capital W, the Logos, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. Um, So it's that kind of a a, a movement that's supposed to take place. 
It, it should bring us into a deeper and more honest acknowledgement of who we are. In the, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says, the church forcefully and specially exalts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the divine scriptures. Let them remember, however, that prayer should accompany the reading of sacred scripture so that a dialogue takes place between God and us. For we speak to him when we pray, we listen to him when we read. So those of you who do scripture reading every day, uh, it, it's not just trying to get through X number of chapters. It's really trying to allow God to speak to us and for us then to, to respond to God who speaks to us. It's a real presence. God is really present in the word. If I told you you could take the Eucharist home and you can just keep it in, in your house, I mean, some of you would be just ecstatic. Now, as a bishop, I can. <laughs> I'm, allowed to, I'm allowed to keep the Blessed Sacrament in my house. Uh, you can't. <laughs> uh, but you can keep the scriptures there. And if you take them not just as a book, but as the book, and it's God's revealed word, there is a real presence of God in my mind. Um, this book is different than any other book. It's the word of God in human form. Now, it's a collection of books written over many, many, many years in many different languages, not many, but a number of different languages with different purposes. And it, it's a library. Uh, it, it fits together. It's all God's word, so there's a plan to it. But, but it's, it's more like a library. And, and so when you go to a library uh, and you pull out a, a, a biology book and you read that, you read that book differently than if you pick up a romance novel. Uh, there's a whole different idea when you're reading them. If you read a, uh, an autobiography and a biography, you have to read them a little bit different. One's the perspective of the person themselves. The other one is somebody on the outside looking in on him. Uh, if you read poetry, you read poetry different than you would something else. E even, even in our newspapers, you know, if you read um, the comics, even if they're, they're political comics, you, you don't take what's there to be the absolute uh, reality of things. The, the one example I always use, uh, you're supposed to get to the literal mean, one of, one of the approaches is get to the literal meaning of a text. And literal meaning doesn't mean what do these words mean, but what is God trying to say? So the, the example I always use, if I, if I said to you, you know, I was sitting in my office and you should have seen this turkey that came in. Oh my God, couldn't, he was off the wall. Well, the literal meaning doesn't mean there was a turkey that was stuck on my wall. It means there was some goofy person who came into my office, which they did at times. <laughs> they did. The two approaches to Scripture are, are to what is the text saying and what, what is God saying to me? It's, it's the, the difference between looking through a window into the divine 
and looking into a mirror at myself. So when you read the scriptures, you want to do both of those. You know, what, 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 what is God trying to say? So you know, especially, you know, that's just a very simple example. Is, uh, if you read the, the first chapters of Genesis, uh, it isn't necessarily the literal meaning that on this day God did this and this day God did this. Because you, you have light before you have the sun, you know, and stuff like that. that doesn't, it's not even consistent. Uh, but what is, what is God trying to say? God created everything. Everything God created is good. That's what God's trying to say. Then, all right, what is, what is God trying to say to me? Well, I, I suppose this could get into environment. You know, maybe God's trying to tell me something about how I'm treating this creation. Or get, going back, very, very personal, you know, God, God created me, and everything God created is good, so I'm good. Of course, in chapter 3, sin entered the world, and so too in us. And sin entered the world in us, and God began the plan of bringing us all through all of that to salvation history. So I would suggest doing that when you're doing it. Now, let's look at at the divine reading for a minute. And if you have that blue piece of paper, I printed it out for you so you could be a little bit easier to, to see. I, I, I love, I like the, I, I taught Latin for... Ten years, I guess it was. So I, I like the Latin. Uh, preparatio, lexio, meditatio, oratio, and contemplatio. Uh, preparatio, preparation. And this is one of those things that I think you can use anytime you're going to pray. I think you have to kind of prepare for prayer. Um, I, I, I used to say years ago, um, it, it, you know, if you want to hear, you have to turn the radio on. Well, now you have to say to them, well, if you want to hear, you've got to put the earbuds in your ears or you're not going to hear anything. Uh, you have to um, tune out other noises if you're going to hear anything. And there may be sometimes, even when you do that, that the station isn't broadcasting. God isn't speaking at this time. He's going to speak at another time. I, I have this firm conviction in my own life. God has never, ever spoken to me directly. You know, where God doesn't say, Martin, this is what I want you to do. You know, I've never, I've never heard God say that. But, but I do hope that being at prayer, being prayerful, allows me to hear God speak when God does want to speak to me. But it takes energy to listen to someone who's whispering. I love that reading from 1 Kings. Uh, Elijah has gone up on, on the mountain. God's going to be passing by. And there's, there's all these uh, signs of, of, of a theophany. Uh, there's a windstorm and there's fire and there's lightning and there's an earthquake and all. And he keeps running out of the cave, running out of the cave, and God's not there, God's not there. And finally, there's a gentle breeze. And, and God is speaking to him in the whisper of this gentle breeze. And, and, and I think sometimes at prayer, we're looking for some great big, huge thing to happen. And God just wants us to be there. God wants to speak to us in, in a gentle, quiet breeze. So somewhere we got to get rid of some of the external noise. We have to prepare ourselves and get rid of some of the external noise. Um, 
Basil Pennington, uh, Pennington was a Trappist monk. He died in 2005. Very, very uh, well-known in contemplative prayer and, and uh, things like that. He wrote this. I think to have a place to pray is important. I speak of it even before a question of time, because making time, note I say making time, we don't just find it, we have to come to some place to spend it. So in a monastery, a monk goes to his cell. Now cell comes from the Latin celum, which means heaven. He goes to this place his room, uh, which is his heaven. Um, I, I have, uh, I have, well, I have two chairs. I have two chairs in my house where I usually pray. Not always, but usually. And I, I, I do like to pray in church. I, I very much enjoy just sitting here saying my office in church. But when I'm home, I have these two chairs. One's a recliner. I don't recline. It's just very nice. If I reclined, I wouldn't be at prayer anymore. Uh, but it's, it's a very comfortable chair. And, and it's like I can kick up the, the leg part. So I'm very, and that's where I usually say my office, you know, those prayers. And then I have another one in, in what's, what I use as my chapel. It's just a little corner chair. And it's, it's a much more straight chair. But for me, um, to, to, when I go to some place, I'm very I, my eyes are all over the place. If I have a sacred place to go to, I don't have to take the time to get myself in that place. When I go there, I know that's what I'm there for, and so therefore it makes it much more easy for me to begin to pray. So I I would recommend to you. Well, you can pray anywhere, and you should pray a lot of different places. Try having some place that's kind of special for you, a special place to pray. Um, and, and then work at that idea of, of quieting yourself down. So I have a sacred place to go, and this is where I'm quiet. Some people play quiet music. Some people want to light a candle, whatever it takes, uh, I, I frequently use the Jesus prayer. It's not, that's not what it was meant for, but I find it quiets me down. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I might say that ten times. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Before I begin to pray. And, and all, you know, I'm in my, my sacred place. I've kind of prepared myself, uh, and I'm ready. But he also talks about a sacred time. Uh, there, there was a, a, a writer, and she said that every morning from this time to this time, she sat down with her, her pen and that to, to, make, to, to write. And she said, sometimes I don't write anything, sometimes I, I go fine. She says, but at least I know that every day there's a place and a time where I can write, where I will write. And, and I, I would recommend uh, a sacred time. So preparatio, sacred place, sacred time, and quieting down. And again, you can, you can use that in, you know, coming to church. How, how many people come to church and, and you've been running, especially if, you know, those of you who have families, you know, I can't, can't find my shoes, mommy, you know, and with, why don't you put your shoes, you know, you're yelling and everything. And then you come here and say, I don't know why I can't concentrate. Uh, 
Some of, that, some of that's an occupational hazard of a parent. You can't do anything about it. But, but some of us, you know, if you're yelling at each other before you get here, you can't just expect, well, all of a sudden now everything's going to be just fine. But what about coming two, three, four minutes earlier and just sitting quietly, getting ready? Just be, you know, get yourself ready. And then Lexio uh, is to read. Uh, and it's, it's, it's more a, a case of um, hearing the word of God, receiving God's message. There, there's, in the story of Eli and Samuel, uh, he, Samuel's in the... Um, that sounds even better, doesn't it? Can you, can you people hear me okay in the back? Am I all right? All right. Um, Sam, Samuel is in the temple with Eli, the priest, and uh, he, he keeps hearing, and he wake, gets up, and he goes and uh, wakes up uh, Eli and says, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And he gets up again. The second time, wakes up Eli. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And finally, the third time, he says to him, he realizes it's God that's calling. He says, when he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant wants to hear. And that's kind of the attitude in Lexio, uh, what I, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, so, sometimes it's a, a good thing to pretend like this is the very first time I've ever heard this passage. You know, so often we say, "Well, I know how this one ends," you know. Uh, but what, so what, what, it's really kind of neat to say, if I never heard this passage before, what do I hear this time through? And sometimes you have to listen to it more than once. Um, sometimes, um, this, this is not the time to be thinking about the passage. This is just the time to be listening. And, I, and as I listen, sometimes I might hear a word or a phrase that sticks out. Sometimes I might hear God, what, what is God saying either to me or God saying about himself. But then the next step uh, is meditatio. That's meditation. That's, that's where you start thinking about this. Um, what would it be like if I were there? How would I feel if I were Jesus in this story? How would I feel if I were just a bystander watching what Jesus is doing? Uh, how, how would I feel um, about, uh, well, I don't know, anything, anything else that's in there. Um, but what, 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 what's, what bothers me about this story? What don't I really quite understand? Or even, I, you know, I don't even know what that means. I wonder why the author even put that, that in there. You know, must have had some reason for putting it in there. But you hear you're trying with your intellect kind of to get what are God's likes and God's dislikes, what's God's desire for the world and for me. Uh, people who are in love with each other know what the other feels and wants. This would be a great present for so-and-so. I know they would love this present. Well, that can be because they know them, and that's part of what's supposed to be taking place uh, right here. What is said, what's not being said, what troubles me, what comforts me. That, that can take a little bit of doing. And, and, and 
sometimes it's, um, as you do some Bible study with people, you'll, you get much more, they give you some really neat insights into a passage too, because everybody hears things differently uh, in the passage. And then um, uh, oratio is, is when you're, you're actually praying, you're actually in conversation with God. You're having a conversation. And it can feel, it can feel a little bit stilted at times. Um, you might ask God, you know, th- th- this is the grace that I really think I need. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the passage led you to realize you know, some things that are going on in your life, and I really need this grace, the patience or whatever it might be. And rem- remember the forms of prayer, because you can use them too. Uh, uh, adoration, praising God. You know, I read this beautiful passage, and I think, oh God, I just give you praise and thanks. That, is just, that, that just means so much hearing that. It can be, be t- petition. What do, Lord, this is what I want. Intercession, Lord, I pray for this person or this event. And then thanksgiving for what God has given to us. Contemplatio, uh, we used to think contemplation to be in a contemplative state uh, belongs only to some very, very, very deep people. Uh, and, and there is a kind of contemplation, you know, St. Paul talks about whether I was raised up, I don't know if it was in the Spirit or not in the Spirit, I don't know what was going on, but I was raised up. That, that, kind, of con- that kind of contemplation you can't do anything about. This is more um, to be in the presence of God, and that's it. I, I had a, a very good priest friend. He was killed in a, a car accident many years ago, and we had a, a cottage together out in Marblehead, and we would have to travel like 50 or 60 miles to get there. In the beginning, we'd be chatting. It was on our day off. We'd be chatting away, and then we, we could drive for a long time and not say anything, but it wasn't an uncomfortable feeling. You knew the other was there, and, and you're just happy to be in their presence. Or how about a parent who just sits at the, the, the side of a, of a sick child's bed? You don't have to say anything. There's nothing you can do, but somehow you're, you're, you're one with them. And that's what's supposed to happen in contemplatio. Um, St. John of the Cross summarized this, this whole thing by saying this, We seek in reading, you will find in meditation, knock in prayer, and it will be opened in contemplation. So he sees a relationship. Uh, Guido II, a Carthusian monk of the 12th century, Reading without meditation is arid, it's dry. So to read without thinking about it is dry. Meditation without reading is erroneous. You're not coming into contact with the word. Prayer without meditation is tepid. If you haven't meditated, you haven't got anything to pray about. And and meditation without prayer is fruitless. So this is kind of a relationship. Um, When when this is all said and done, uh, the one thing I would say is it doesn't work. It doesn't. Oh, now, why did they waste all this time on it? Uh, <laughs> because some, sometimes you can skip preparatio. 
Uh, you're, you're, all, you're fine. You're, you're ready to sit down and read. Sometimes you can read and have to go right back to preparation. You, like you don't, you're already gone. You didn't even hear what the reading was about. Sometimes you can get to, to oratio of just being in God's presence without having to go through some of the other steps. But it, I just hope you see, it's got a nice, nice flow to it, though, about how you might pray, especially to pray with Scripture. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be world without end. Amen. Thank you all. Be good. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.